You're listening to episode 25. Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in-depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that it doesn't matter how your journey in life started. It's not that important because great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up, that you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guests, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it, and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really... I am the number one student, so get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Generals Podcast, where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week. Davis Mutawa here, your host. I am super excited to bring you today's feature guest, is Kelly Richards. Kelly, are you ready to share your entrepreneurial story? Absolutely, Davis. Fantastic. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, Kelly is a trailblazer in the digital music and media arenas with more than 25 years of senior level experience. Kelly has a unique talent for connecting thought leaders from technology with innovators from entertainment, a highly sought after consultant, radio show host, and best-selling author. She's the CEO of the All Access Group. You can check her out at allaccessgroup.com. And prior to launching this business, um, Kelly was responsible for driving music and entertainment strategies during her many years at Apple. So I am very, very excited to hear more of your story, Kelly. So welcome to the show. Before we get stuck into your story, maybe we just take 30 seconds and tell us who is Kelly outside of business. Um, you know, I am somebody who does what I love for a living. So I don't really separate work and play in that way. Um, I'm privileged to have created my own, you know, the, the, work, the, the work that I love to do um, that takes care of a lot of my needs across the board. Not just financially, but just in terms of fulfillment. Um, you know, I'm also very social. I've got a huge network, and some of that crosses over between work and play. Uh, you know, obviously, I go to a lot of concerts. I um, I love the wine world and uh, food and wine. That's a passion of mine, and uh, um, like hiking and spending time with good friends. That's that's really about it. Well, that's amazing. Um- <clears throat> So how long would you say you've been in full-time business for yourself, Kelly? Gosh, it's probably been about 15 years at this point. Okay. And so what are your um, core revenue streams in in the business at the moment? Well, they stem from consulting to various companies, from funded startups to Fortune 100 companies, as a strategist and BizDev executive SWAT team member, Um, and uh, uh, producing award shows and being a... um, a celebrity wrangler, which is two sides of the coin. Celebrity wrangler, meaning I bring high-level artists and performers and entertainers to Silicon Valley to perform for various corporate events and private fundraisers and such. Um, and then I also have a part of my business where I act as a trusted advisor, working with high net worth, high achievers out of tech and entertainment one-on-one to help them reinvent themselves in their second or third act of their, of their life. So they can actually be aligned between what they love doing every day and and be intrinsically fulfilled with their values. 
That's amazing. So, so Kelly, you started off in the corporate world, um, and then I guess you transitioned into your running your own business. Yes, I basically had took my job at Apple and went on went, went a mile down the road and hung a shingle and kept going. I never looked back. Although I, I'm literally a mile from Apple, and I'm st- still it's my hometown, and Apple came after me, <laughs> and uh, and, it, and we're both still here. Um, um, how did the, how did that whole hap, um, um, episode take place? Could you walk me through this story? Okay, well, um, basically, in a nutshell, I grew up in Cupertino. Again, that's where Apple is headquartered and started. Um, met Steve Jobs when I was still in high school. Uh, I was a future Business Leaders of America uh, student and wound up connecting with Steve. Uh, we wound up uh, creating a long-standing situation where he became a mentor of mine all the way until his passing. And uh, I went off to work at EMI Music for uh, several years uh, as a young A&R executive, helping to sign talent and manage the talent on the roster, and then was tapped to come to Apple to launch its music and entertainment focus. This was um, 15 years prior to the launch of iTunes, and it was all about making sure that everybody in the music industry and the film industry used a Macintosh, during which time uh, Steve was mostly exiled and off doing Next and Pixar, I also had the vision to create a consumer-facing solution for music at Apple and entertainment, but I couldn't get arrested with the management at the time to do that. It wasn't until Steve came back, and not even five, four, five more years after he came back till we launched iTunes, I helped him with the transition there. And then I went off to start working with various other entities in terms of uh, startups and bigger companies and artists directly. So um, that's when I started my own business. But I, but I always uh, stayed close to Steve, and I, I've never really let go of Apple. I'm still, I was, I'm in touch with the company and colleagues almost every day. Are you still an, a full-on Apple product user? Oh, to be sure, I wouldn't touch anything else. <laughs> um, that's amazing. I don't think there's a lot of people who um, I've, I've spoken to who've had that sort of close interaction with the, with the big um, global business icon like like Steve Jobs. So, very intriguing too. How was it working for him? There's many, many stories out there about how, how he was working for um, or working with. Well, that's just it. We would take the whole interview if I were to talk about that. And plenty has been written and published. A lot of it misguided and one-dimensional um, because most of the people that wrote about him didn't know him, didn't interact with him a lot. Um, I take exception to books that have been written about him, films that have been done about him that show him to be this monster uh, of a person, which he wasn't at all. Um, he could be abrupt and brusque with people. Uh, he didn't suffer fools gladly, but he was also a brilliant, uh, empathetic, passionate person with a vision. He was driven by that vision. Uh, he was never cross with me. We never had any kind of uh, challenges between he and I directly. And, uh, you know, I, I found him to be incredibly inspirational. But then again, I've worked with a lot of top-notch people, in the, in the, you know, rock stars, tech innovators. I mean, that's my life. Uh, Steve was just one of them to me, although he was a very big influence on me personally. That's the world I operate within. Brilliant, innovative, creative people. What's the number one lesson that you've picked up through all those years being mentored um, with, um, by Steve that you I don't know. I don't know if I can pick just one, Davis. Honestly, it's, I wrote a whole book called The Magic and Moxie of Apple, An Insider's View, and... I talked about a whole bunch of best practices that, you know, I got out of being at Apple for all those many years, many of which came from Steve's own vision and his own ethos. Things like always surrounding yourself with the brightest people you can find, A people as he called them. Um, 
you know, sticking with your passion and being, you know, persevering regardless of whatever influences are coming at you. Um, just, just staying the course. Uh, he certainly believed that anything was possible and he, he never took no for an answer. He never, he never, uh, said he never would accept something that was impossible. Everything was possible. And I believe that. Um, so, you know, I, I, there's, there's so many lessons. I mean, just following your passion, uh, following your heart, trusting your intuition, a lot of lay layman's type common sense counsel that he, that he really did believe in. Right. You've, you've mentioned um, the book there, um, Kelly. Where can we get that book today? Uh, anybody can get it on Amazon. It's available uh, as an e-book, a print-on-demand book, and an audible. Okay. That's wonderful. I published several books, but that's the one that's most relevant for this conversation. Yeah, great. And we'll we'll link that up um, in the show notes. Um, and thanks for the, thanks for sharing that. It's really I know we can talk all all interview about that. What what made you leave Apple, Kelly? That's a complicated question that I don't typically like discussing, um, and I don't want to say a lot about it except that most people leave a company when their immediate management becomes intolerable. Um, and that was certainly the case in my situation. Also, when I left, uh, Steve had just returned, thank goodness, uh, to save the company as I predicted that he would. Uh, but the company was bleeding to death and a quarter away from, calendar quarter away from running out of money. Um, and everything was jettisoned. All vertical markets were jettisoned except for publishing and education. That included music and entertainment, which was my vertical. Uh, and products were pared down from about 50 to four, <laughs> all at Steve's, Steve's direction. And so I wasn't going to sit around and wait for the focus on music and entertainment to return. It would have taken five years. That was my life's work. So I just went sideways and kept going on my own and kept in touch with the management team at Apple. Mm. Now, for, for, for an entrepreneur listening, and maybe they're, they're in a corporate role, you know, um, a very senior role like you were, um, what made you feel like you didn't want to maybe work for somebody else and you wanted to start your own project? Well, I, I, music and entertainment and the vision of the convergence of tech and music and entertainment is my passion. It was then, it is now. And what was I going to do? I wasn't just going to go work in the, you know, some other division and hope that at some point the focus on music and entertainment would return at Apple. It didn't seem like it was going to. And it didn't for five years. So during that time, I was able to work on a lot of innovative projects in my field. I'm always interested to, to find out how you went about you know, acquiring that first paying customer when you, when you launched out. Well, again, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm what's called a super connector. So that means I've got a very broad and deep network of longstanding trusted relationships. And when I was getting ready to leave Apple, I mean, Napster was just coming on the scene. Napster became one of my first clients. I mean, I, I, I knew people. I, I knew a lot of entrepreneurs in music and tech and music, digital music, because I helped birth the, you know, the whole sector. And so I put the word out and said, I'm going out on my own. And several of them decided to have me work with them. One of, one of them was called IUMA, which stood for Internet Underground Music Archive, the very first music destination on the Internet. Uh, Napster was another one. Another one was called Global Music Outlet, led by a gentleman named Tony Stonefield. So I had three or four clients immediately when I when I when I left. Another one was called Intermedia Networks. These were all early startups. And how did um, how did you continue to grow the business from there? Was it the same strategies as continue networking, word of mouth, and are you still doing that strategy today? 
No, I, I'm, I, I get a lot of referrals. People know me as being a fixture on the scene. And so I've paid my dues. I've been in the business for so many years that I'm kind of a known entity. Uh, and I get a lot of referrals from past colleagues, clients, current clients. Um, that's the number one way. The other way is I do speak and facilitate conferences at a lot of different uh, events and, and industry conferences. And I do a lot of networking. I've got, as I say, I've got a very large, broad, deep network. So if I see a company that looks interesting, I might reach out directly to the CEO and explore whether there might be some things for us to do together. If there's an interesting luminary in tech or entertainment that I'd like to work with as a trusted advisor, I do the same thing. Um, and that combined with the referrals that I get incoming make for a, a pretty robust business. Mm. For somebody starting out, I know you mentioned you, you, you invest in startups and you, you work with startups with credit. I, I don't actually invest in them, no. Um, but I do, I do act as an advisor to them. Okay, great. So what are you advising, especially maybe around the tech or entertainment when they just... Well, when I come in, I'm typically hired as a strategist and a biz dev SWAT team member uh, exec, uh, to extension of the exec team management. And um, I come in and help drive their go-to-market strategy and help accelerate their vision by creating powerful partnerships from within my network. So if they're on the music or entertainment side, I'll connect them with the right tech partners. If they're in the technology side, I'll help them create the right partnerships from both industries, depending on what's necessary for them and what, what they're focused on. So I'm known as kind of an accelerant and a strategist and a, and a biz dev SWAT team member to uh, funded startups all the way to Fortune 100 companies. What, 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 what is the, um, some of the exciting um, projects that you, you're seeing in the market today that you can share? Well, some of the things I work in right now are hot technology sectors uh, like VR, AR, AI, um, uh, high-res audio, 3D spatial audio activity. So things that I've been dabbling in and around with startups for over 20 years. I mean, I helped launch QuickTime VR 20 years ago. So when somebody says the VR world is nascent, I have to laugh because... We were just waiting for the world to catch up in many of these cases. So now it's all coming around again. It seems like in 20-year cycles, here comes the next batch of these companies. But now I think the market is ready for these various technologies. And um, also got one in robotics. So these are all really hot tech sectors that I'm working in. It's something to do with entertainment and tech. So, so VR, somebody has never heard of VR. Explain to us what that is. It's virtual reality. It's... Uh, um, Typically through the use today of headsets like Oculus VR or uh, Samsung has, has a headset gear, you can't, a consumer can look through that, uh, that headset and experience their world in a virtual way. It's a much more immersive experience that you can't, you know, you can, you can go to Mars, you can, you can travel the world, you can do anything inside a headset through the use of these new technologies that enable that experience. Uh, some of them enable 2D experience, so you can watch something on your iPhone without a headset or on your laptop. Some are full, true VR immersive experiences that you have to have a special headset to experience. I, I must say, I've, I've, I've seen um, some of the news around that space, but I haven't actually experienced it myself. From a business perspective, um, where do you see that going? Well, it's, it's huge. Um, there are so many applications for it, uh, as is often the case with new forms, new quote-unquote new <laughs> technologies. They often start in, ga in the games arena first, where we get a lot of the early adopters and the enthusiasts. That's no exception with VR. A lot of the activity this year 
is aimed at games, and especially so with the launch of Sony's PlayStation um, uh, new devices that came out just a month ago that enable that kind of a VR experience of video games. But we're gonna we're seeing it starting with uh, next year with with concerts, with sports, with uh, even with film. Um, a lot of live activity, a combination of live streaming, 2D VR experiences. This is all going to take off in a much more ramped way in 2017 and then beyond. And a lot, uh, you know, a, another topic technology that's just starting to take off in a big way is AI or artificial intelligence. So the ability for machine learning and uh, human interaction with machines, be that self-driving cars, be that... Um, uh, you know, new ways to create music and content and video. Uh, you know, yesterday there was a massive expo in San Francisco here where, you know, there were tens of, I don't know, at least a thousand, 8,000 people I heard, maybe 10,000 uh, at this one event, just swarming with people focused on AI. So it's really taking off. Uh, robotics is another hot tech sector where we're seeing cars built by robots. We're seeing um, surgery done by robots, uh, all kinds of stuff. So those are some of these sectors that are really hot and a uh, uh, big focus right now here in, in Silicon Valley and in, and in Hollywood. Mm. And what are some of the opportunities that somebody's starting out maybe somewhere around the world thinking, how can I participate in this? What, what would you say are some of the things that are maybe showing gaps in the market? You know, it, it's hard for me to do that because I only I typically work with people that are on the on the end that are very experienced. They're veterans. They're deep deep in all of this stuff as I am. So I don't work with a lot of people that are just coming into the space. Um, I think if you can find a way to get in uh, in with a company, an intern or a project, that's always a good way to learn the craft, learn more about the technologies. Uh, maybe do some networking, start to build your own network. Um, but it's very difficult to get into big companies, big marquee companies like Apple and Google and Amazon, Facebook, and, and even the Hollywood side is even harder because a lot of it is based on experience and relationships, who you know, and internal referrals. So these are really all very hot, sexy sectors, and um, it's not necessarily easy to get into them. Um, absolutely. Hey, I want to talk about fear of failure and how that, that, that holds a lot of people away from entrepreneurship and business. Um, is that something you've experienced? Absolutely. I think everybody, you'd be lying if people said they hadn't experienced a fear of failure. The question is, what do you do about it? Do you let it paralyze you and stop you? Or do you look at it as an opportunity to um, test your own endurance and persistence and resilience, your real passion for what you're working on? Because if your passion and your vision trumps the fear, you're just going to blow through it and keep going anyway. Is there a, a recent moment where you've maybe been working on a project or something that you can share where you felt was about to fail and you're maybe trying to... Well, you know, I, I've worked on a lot of uh, startups that have failed, Davis, over the years. More that have failed than have succeeded, even though they were really good ideas. Often the reason they fail is they can't get... Um, funding fast enough before they die. They just run out of gas. Or um, they don't have uh, experienced management running the company. Or they have management that think they know it all and they're arrogant and they won't listen to the advice of people that might have a few more years on them and more insights and wisdom. Or they're not staffed with the right people. 
So there's a lot of reasons why good ideas just aren't enough. It's got to be the whole package. Yeah, and which is where people like yourself come in to help build that strategy um, and help somebody scale and grow, I guess. Um, That's right. That's right. But the thing with me is, unlike a lot of um, people in Silicon Valley, I don't work just for equity. I work on a retainer. I, I get paid cash. Um, and I also get equity. So that's why I typically only work with funded startups because they're the ones that can afford to pay me. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm actually working and uh, consulting here in Melbourne with a, a SaaS um, company and uh, expanding out into into the um, hotel market. So um, your funding is, is a big thing and um, you've got to be ready to accelerate at that right point with the right strategy and, and back end. But, you know, I don't know if I answered the question about failure to your satisfaction, but... You know, failure is just, if you're not failing, you're probably not trying hard enough because failing is, a, is it's what you do with it. Do you learn from it or do you let it paralyze you? Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. I love that. Um, I want to understand a little bit more about your, your life philosophies and how you operate um, your business and um, how you've done your, your career. So I want to ask you, how do you rank the following? Faith, fun, family, finances, friendships. It's an interesting question. Well... I don't have a lot of family. A lot of my friends have become my family. Um, I guess I would rank, well, I live in the most expensive part of the world, so I can't, I got to put finances up there near the top. Probably, probably finances, uh, friends, faith. What were the other two? Fun and what was the other one? Fun and family. Um, uh, family, family, family is probably close behind friends and then faith and, and then fun. I don't have a lot of time for fun. Um, it is actually something I'd prefer to rank higher. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't right now. <laughs> it's not the, it was not the reality of my situation. <laughs> Love that. Um, which, is, which is a good segue into my next question. Uh, give us a 30-second uh, look into a day in your life when you started. Um, I don't know. You can pick a time when you started working with Apple or when you started your own business versus a day in your life today. Well, I mean, a day in my life today is not too dissimilar than how it's been in any situation. I try to control my day to the, to the extent that I can. Otherwise, um, it gets taken away from me. So I'm really good about boundaries. Uh, typically, I, I, work, I try to work like 9 to 6, Monday through Friday. I don't take calls earlier than 9 a.m. Uh, local time. I don't work evenings and weekends uh, if I can avoid it. Um, I believe, I'm a huge believer in life balance. It's something I promote to my trusted advisor clients when I work with people one-on-one. When I get up, I uh, work out and I have breakfast and read every morning to ground myself. And then I start my work day. Um, I typically have calls or meetings throughout the day. I make sure to take a break for lunch. I try to get out and do a short walk during the day for some fresh air, clear my head. If I can get a meditation in for 10 minutes, that would be ideal to just relieve any stress that's cropped up. And then in the evenings, time to myself to um, finish up any loose ends without interruptions, do some writing, spend time with friends. Um, You know, there might be a networking activity that I go to. Um, More leisure time on the weekend, of course. And that's pretty much it. That's great. Um, was, that, was there a, a moment in your career or business where you felt, you know, there was a big breakthrough, a big lift that has propelled you to where you are today? Well, I would say my time at Apple. 
birthing, you know, being part of the digital music revolution from day one and birthing the focus on music and entertainment at Apple and running that for all those years has most definitely been my springboard and my halo that's carried me all throughout my career. Where do you see podcasting, just as a side question, because I know it was probably started maybe around, maybe after your time or maybe while you were there? Yeah, no, I started a podcast uh, in 2010. And I've interviewed probably about 300 luminaries in tech and entertainment, most of whom are colleagues of mine, whether they're rock stars or tech innovators or authors or filmmakers or whatever they are. And um, they're basically 30 to 45-minute fireside chats. Um, And uh, we talk about all manner of things that are meaningful, and we don't talk about the usual things that people might spring up in interviews. I try to go deep with things that mean something to the person that maybe other people aren't talking about. And so I've been doing that, as I say, for five or six years now. Six years, I guess it's been. And where can, we find, where can people find that? And we'll link it up in the show notes. Yeah, it's called All Access Radio. Um, the shows are archived on my website at allaccessgroup.com and also in iTunes under All mm-hmm. Access Radio. Okay, great. As an industry, because you know, you're in the digital space, do you, do you see that taking over radio or do you think it's, it's kind of at its prime at the moment? You know, um, I'm not a big believer in radio, terrestrial radio. I think it's mostly dead. Um, I I'm personally subscribe to Sirius XM in my car because I can't stand commercials. Um, but that's listening to incoming radio. As far as I, outgoing, I think a lot more people are jumping on the podcasting bandwagon. I think it's a growing trend. It's been growing for the last decade. Um, and I think... It's part of, you know, I have a whole part of my business that's thought leadership. And when you want to differentiate yourself as a consultant in the crowd or an advisor, you need to create a brand for yourself. And so that's where my whole thought leadership comes in. I publish articles consistently in all manner of publications. I have my weekly um, radio show. Actually, it's three times a month now. Um, and, uh, or podcast, if you like. I called it a radio show. Um, you know, I have a monthly newsletter. Um, I speak at conferences and events, networking. All of that falls under the category of thought leadership. And so I think it's really important for any entrepreneur to be mindful that they need to stand out from the crowd. You know, I publish books. Uh, a book is a pretty impressive calling card to leave with a prospective client. Um, and it's a great way to get on shows and get on the speaking circuit as well. So... When you want to create a brand for yourself and stand out in the crowd, you've got to pay attention to creating and managing your brand, and that's what all those things represent. Yeah, that's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. That uh, gives us um, a lot of insight into how you're creating what you're creating, um, which is great. Um, you've talked about investing in mentors, and one of those is a, is a big mentor in Steve Jobs. Um, why do you think that's important? I've had several others uh, that they are still living that are still, you know, people have actually paid over the years that are really powerful. They all happen to be men, oddly enough. But, um, but I, I, you know, I do believe in the power of standing on the shoulder of giants and accelerating your own intelligence, your insights, your wisdom by, you know, nobody has all the answers. So if you're working with people who are at the forefront of whatever it is they're doing, you're, you're by default, by association, if you're paying attention, you're going to accelerate your own um, depth of knowledge and your own poise and ability to, um, increase your own standing in the world and you get the benefit of wisdom and insights and you know help 
you know, why should you fall into the same traps that other people have? Why don't you, you know, the thing to do is to work with people that have been a few steps down the road, have had more success than you, might have had a few failures, but they can help guide you through um, the appropriate tunnels along the path and out of the sand traps and, the, and you know, the, 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 the bogs that you might otherwise get stuck in if you didn't have somebody to help navigate with you. Kelly, best two books that you think are great reads for entrepreneurs? One of them is called A Straight Line Leadership by a colleague of mine named Dusan Jukic, D-U-S-A-N-D-J-U-K-I-C-H. Uh, the subtitle of that book, Straight Line Leadership, Tools for Living with Velocity and Power in Turbulent Times. Really love that book. It's a primer, just basic good stuff. Um, the other one is from one of my mentors, Alan Weiss. It's called Thrive, Stop Wishing Your Life Away. Another great little primer of just solid wisdom. Those two books alone will take any entrepreneur a very long way. Wonderful. We'll, we'll link those up. Um, they sound great. I've, I've heard of Thrive before, so, so that's wonderful. And um, what is the best way for people to connect with you, Kelly? Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, any of those ways. Um, uh, there's contact information on my websites, both at kellyrichards.com and at allaccessgroup.com. Um, you can send an email to info at allaccessgroup.com. Okay, great. I appreciate that. We'll, we'll link that up again in the show notes. Um, Kelly, now, um, before I ask my last question, I want to acknowledge you for, for everything you've done, you know, impacting all of us through, you know, the iTunes um, industry, the digital world that you've, you've helped shape and then all the things you continue to do in that space. And more specifically, uh, thanks for coming on to this show and uh, for, for sharing all the words of wisdom to inspire um, our community here. And now for um, the last question, Kelly, um, when all is said and done, what legacy do you want to leave and be remembered for? And tell us why. It's very funny, Davis. That's the question I use at the end of my podcast too with all my guests. <laughs> and it usually throws them. And, and to be honest, I don't have a pat answer to that one myself because I'm still halfway through my life. Um, so I'm not, you know, legacy... Um, I think you're nothing without your reputation. And I think I've got a pretty solid reputation among my peers and colleagues and clients and friends. And I think that if you're good to people and kind and you're always looking for a way to add value and you're well-respected by everybody in your world, that's about as good as it gets. I love that. Reputation. Um, amazing. Thanks for sharing that. Um, ladies and gentlemen... Thank you for hanging out with me and Kelly today. Hope you had as much fun as I did. Uh, lots of experience there that we've learned today. Uh, and importantly, I hope you've got your hopes up that you can make a difference in the world and get your dreams happening. Uh, remember to head on over to businessjournals.com for all the show notes. Type in Kelly in the search bar um, and all the show notes will appear with everything we've talked about today. And to connect with Kelly, just jump onto allaccessgroup.com uh, or you can check her out on social media. Check out her books and her podcast send us some love there. Kelly, thank you for being on the Business Journals podcast today and for sharing your story with us. We're very grateful. You are a true business general. Thank you, Davis. It's been my pleasure. Hey, what's up, Business Journals family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business Journals podcast. Connect with me at Davis Mutabwa. That's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B-W-A. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessjournals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.